Hey y'all, I'm Betsy Orton with the Dickey Foundation and you're listening to Dickey's Doing Good, where we tell good stories about good people doing good things in our community. Today we've got the second half of my interview with the Honorable Lupe Valdez. Lupe has spent more than four decades in public service and law enforcement and served as Dallas County Sheriff from 2005 to 2017. As sheriff, she addressed county jail facility conditions as well as mental health and overpopulation. Prior to becoming sheriff, Lupe worked to protect the lives and property of American citizens at home and abroad as a captain in the U.S. National Guard and as a DEA federal agent. Thank you so much for joining me today, Lupe. Can you tell me about an experience you had, whether it was a DEA or a sheriff, that, an experience you had that really kind of touched your heart and maybe changed how you do things? Mm, there's a whole bunch of them, but some of them might be controversial. <laughs> um, whatever you'd like to share with us. <laughs> There's three or four. Well, let's talk about immigration. Um, and when I first started, way back when the snakes used to walk upright, um, just teasing, um, uh, there was no such thing as borders. I mean, there was a river and sometimes the river would flow wrong and the border would go to one side and then it would flow more to the other side and the border would be more to this side. So there was no real fences or borders. And so on one occasion, I was um, on, on uh, Pas- El Paso area. It was between El Paso and New Mexico. And we, we knew that there was some stuff coming through, um, drugs. We knew there was some stuff coming through. So uh, we were gonna lay in certain areas and wait for them to come through. And it was within a two week period we knew they were going to come in sometime within the two weeks. So, of course, me being the rookie, I got the night shift. And, and I would be there, you know, like from midnight till seven or whatever. And you'd, you'd be laying in the dirt or the rocks or something. And, and about 5.30, you, you start seeing this group coming over. And, and, of course, at first we stopped them all. And, but it was the daily workers. They would come over. To El Paso to work, and and I we got to the point where we were friendly, you know. Hey, Jose, how's it going? You going to your job today? See you later. Hey, Juan, you know, gonna do some good cooking today in the restaurant. We'll see you, you know. Good luck over there. And then one time, you know, we got to the point where we just talked a lot. And then one time, I stopped one of them and said, "How come you're coming over here to work?" And El Paso, the Sun Bowl which is the football stadium and, and the stadium for sports, is right on top of the hill, about mm, maybe half a mile to a mile from the border. So all the joy and the screaming and the cheering can be heard across the border constantly. So I said to him, why are you, why are you coming over here to work? He said, first of all, there's no work over here. And he, and he pointed to one of the little mud huts, really. And he said, see that? My family and I live in that. And when we, before I started working over here, we would hear the cheering and the joy from the other side. And my child said to me, why can't we have that joy? And he said, we will. So he started working across the border. And um, I'd never seen it that way. He said, I want my children 
to be able to enjoy and cheer and laugh as well as anything else. And, and he said, I do this because we want part of that too. We just don't want to hear it and we just don't want to imagine it far away. We want to be able to feel it. I remember I thought, if I was a, if I was a father, if I was a mother, what would I do to make sure that my children had a better life? If I had to cross every single day to another country to go to work, I would probably do it. And it changed my mind totally on how I thought about people coming over here to work. Why don't you work over there? Why don't you find a job over there and work over there? And um, after talking to that gentleman, uh, it became very clear that I would do anything um, to help my family have a better life. So I kind of understood them wanting to, and, and this gentleman went back and forth every day. But he made the money and he would take it back and he would start building his little hut. As a matter of fact, I remember at another point he says to me, you see that hut? That's what mine used to look like before I started putting shade and putting running water and putting, you know. And so, so it helped me as a, as a young, young federal agent, helped me understand that sometimes we judge people by what we see, not by what they see and what they need. So it helped me change the idea on immigration. I know there's bad people that come over, just like there's bad cops and bad doctors and bad plumbers and bad, you know, and we have to stop those. But for somebody just to have a better life, and then along the way, you know, you say, well, they come to take our jobs. And I remember someone saying, oh yeah, your son always wanted to be a roofer, so, or a dishwasher. So let's not take those jobs away from y'all. Um, truth is, they do the jobs that we don't want to do. And, and so we need them. That, that's a remarkable story and, and so illustrative of, of so many things that you've seen. When, when you look back and you think about, about people who've really made a difference for you and you've met so many people over your, your illustrious career, who are two or three people who've really made a difference for you? Um, there was one person, and as a matter of fact, she was my youth pastor. Many years ago, my youth was long gone. But um, <laughs> I remember I used to I used to get impatient with people, and I used to be um, short tempered, and I would watch her deal with people, and it was it was not anything she said, it was the way she dealt with things that made me say I could do that. Why don't I? I remember I would get real impatient with some things and I'd watch her and she would just deal with it in a kind way. And with people, you know, I'd get impatient and I want to tell them off. 
and she would she would say she's probably had a bad day today you know she works two jobs you know you know she's probably had a bad day and and, I, and then she would say something to them and it would change the whole the whole attitude it would change everything so I remember thinking why can't I do that and I can I just that wasn't the training I had but I also remember thinking there's people that the way they behave I don't like I don't like it at all and I really like the way she behaves so I wonder if other people don't like me because I behave that as the way that I don't like so I need to learn from the good and the bad. I need to learn from the bad that that's not what I want to do. And I need to learn from the good that that is what I want to do. So either way, if you came into my life, bad or good, you taught me something. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that is so interesting. We learned from everyone. <laughs> so, so what would you say is the most important thing that you've learned in your life? Oh my God, I don't know. <laughs> most important thing. I think it would be tolerance. I think it would be tolerance because we have a tendency to to uh, get impatient, to not understand. And, and I think I, I'm so blessed in having been raised in two cultures. I remember when I first started going to college, um, the neighborhood I grew up in, and, and, and I might as well say it, it was one of the poorest neighborhoods in San Antonio. Uh, there's several stories about me not having shoes or, or, or stuff like that, and and uh, they're all true. And and I came from a very very poor neighborhood that, needless to say, was full of people who drank and did drugs, because that was a way of escape, or because they weren't making any sense. I don't know. I I am by the grace of God. I came out of there okay, but I think it was God and my mom that made sure that I would do certain things. And, and, and then I started going to college and I started seeing people who had cars and TVs in their rooms and, and had a different pair of shoes for every occasion. And so that was quite distant to me. I mean, I couldn't understand all that because I'd never seen that. And so I remember coming back after being in college for two or three years, coming back into my barrio, into my neighborhood and thinking, I don't belong here. I don't belong here at all. I just feel uncomfortable. I, I don't joke and drink the way they do. I don't do any of this stuff. And then I go to college and I don't belong here. I don't have a car. I don't have, you know, I have to work. I worked my way through college. It took me six and a half years. And, and, and so I don't belong there. And I remember thinking, where do I belong, God? I don't belong here and I don't belong here. I feel like I'm in the middle of a fence. I'm just in a fence and I look this way and I don't belong and I look that way and I don't belong. So what do I do? And that has been one of the greatest blessings of my life. Because whenever I get in a situation, I think that person is out of their environment. They're lost. They don't know what to do. You, 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 you people that come as refugees, uh, people that, that, that come from the rural areas into the city, people that, you know, go from the city to the rural. You know, they're totally lost. They don't know what to do. 
And it's because it's a different environment. And I have to go back and think, you're blessed because you got to do both. Now you know both. So you can help this person slide in and become more comfortable. And you can help that other person understand why this person is doing things that way. I remember um, in one incident, when I was sitting at a table and, and someone said, God, look at that person. They don't even use a, they don't even know how to use a fork. I remember thinking, oh my God, they've never been taught. So during the next few weeks, it took me a little time to sit with them to just teach them how to do, uh, sit at a table and eat with utensils. Because it was somebody who came from somewhere else who did not know about eating with utensils. And I remember sitting with a group that said, oh my God, they're so gross. And I'm going, it's just because they haven't been taught. So let's just teach them. And I remember literally sitting and I would slow my actions so they could see how I was doing things as I would cut the meat or as I would do this. I remember doing it very slowly so they could follow. And all of a sudden, they knew how to do it. But it wasn't that they were grosser or, or they just hadn't learned. And so it helps me in, in other situations when people are, are rude or where people are totally out of place to say, eh, they just haven't learned. We need to help them. We need to help them get off that bridge to where they're standing there going, I don't belong in either place. We need to help them and make it easier for them to cross that bridge so that they can learn how to feel in place. Um, what was the question anyway? I forgot the question. <laughs> we, we were talking about people who had, who had made a difference and the important things that oh. you've learned in your life. But I mean, to your point, you, you've spent a career of helping people you serve serve protect and really helping people and you've also you last year you've joined our dickey foundation board uh and our mission obviously is, is protecting first responders so kind of talk to me about why you joined the board and why why that was something that was because you asked me <laughs> well we did ask because <laughs> mrs dickey asked that's why we all do things it's easy to do things that will help others. You know, I keep saying my schedule is ridiculous. And I remember one time, uh, jokingly, and not jokingly, because I was exhausted, saying, no more do-gooder things. I'm done. Um, but that didn't la that lasted a whole day and a half, I think, just so I slept and then it was over. Um, but I think our whole purpose is to make ourselves and others better. As long as we do that, there's a, there's a goodness. I always used to say, you know, all of us have the good and the bad. Whichever one they feed the most, or they work on the most, or they spend time the most, is the one that's gonna come out. Um, there was a joke about a wise man who asked a child how his vacation would be, and he said, well, I feel like there's the good me and the bad me, and, and you know, uh, this side keeps pulling me to do bad, and this side keeps pulling me to do good. And the wise man said, well, which one wins? And the young man said, the one I feed the most, of course. So it's whatever we're doing that's going to make us 
that whatever we spend the most time in, <clears throat> that's going to make us who we are. So I literally enjoy doing good so that the good side of me keeps coming out more. I can never get rid of the bad side because it still comes out. But, but you know, the more good you do, the more good side of you comes out. And the more you learn and the more um, you get better. Every New Year's Day, somebody says, what's your New Year's resolution? And I always say the same thing. I want to be just a little bit better than I was last year. In what? I don't care. I don't care whether it be social, spiritual, uh, occupational, or whatever. Just be a little bit better than I was last year. And, and I think going into organizations, going into programs, um, uh, law enforcement, uh, whatever, um, helps you head toward that. And, 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 and it stops me from feeding the other side. And you know, the bad thing is that even though I don't feed it, it still comes out. But, but if you feed the good side more, more of the good side will come out. So I think it's important that we join organizations, that we, that we volunteer, that we do things, not for the pride of, look, I helped somebody, but for the pride of, oh my goodness, it's changing my heart. Thank you so much. And you, you have changed the lives of so many people. We're going to switch gears a little bit. All right. So, so what's your favorite Dickie's meat and your favorite Dickie's side? Oh, <laughs> we'd bring it back to barbecue eventually. Yeah. yeah. It's got to be brisket. It's got to be brisket because I love the I love the brisket. And what's your favorite side? Uh, boy, that one's hard because I like okra. I like coleslaw. I like beans. Uh, I think one of these days I'm going to come in and just say, give me a whole plate of sides. We can do a side plate. <laughs> <laughs> just give me a whole plate of sides because I love all the slides. So uh, so I, 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 I got to stay off the potatoes, you know, because uh, I might as well wear them because the minute I eat them, they're going to go to my hips or my thighs. So I might as well just take them and put them on there. Um, so I got to stay away from the potatoes, even though they're good. I got to stay away from them. But the coleslaw, well, that's and 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 the beans and the okra and I can't remember what else you got, but I like them all. <laughs> all right, we like to finish it up with a lightning round, so I'm going to give you two choices, and you're going to give me your answer. Mm -mm, okay. All right, barbecue beans or jalapeno beans? Barbecue. Sweet or unsweet tea? Half and half. Chopped or sliced brisket? Chopped. Sauce or no sauce? Sauce. Brisket or pulled pork? Uh-oh. It's got to be brisket. <laughs> and ribs or wings? Ribs. All right. Well, thank you so much. That finishes up our lightning round. Wait, I got to tell you why it's not wings. Okay, why isn't it wings? Because I take off the skin of all the chicken that I eat. Oh, and if then there's I take, not much left. There's nothing left. You take off the skin and the, and the bones, and you might have a toothful of, of, uh, of meat. So... <laughs> So, so it's too much work for little me. No wings for you. <laughs> no wings. I've <laughs> got it. Well, y'all, this has been my interview with uh, Honorable Lupa Valdez. Thank you so much for your time. We so appreciate you joining us on Dickie's Doing Good. Thank you.
Thanks so much for tuning in this week. It was great that we could share our stories with you. If you want more information about the Dickey Foundation, feel free to visit thedickeyfoundation.org. And if you want more information about some of our great owners and the great stories they're doing, please visit dickies.com. We look forward to seeing you next week where we'll continue sharing the good stories of good people doing good things in our community.